I was thinking about this and, and what I could talk about uh, to uh, be a help and a challenge to her, and then I thought, uh, you know, my high school graduation was so recent that uh, I can probably talk about some things from there. Uh, that always offends me when people laugh and say things like that. But uh, I wanted to talk tonight about seven things I have learned since graduation. I think we've probably all learned some of these different things, different lessons that we learn. But uh, the good thing is that uh, now, Haley, you have a foundation for success. As a high school graduate, you've been in school 2,160 days. You've spent over 12,960 hours in class. How many of those were awake? Most of them? That's good. You've become a role model for many younger students, no doubt. In many ways, you've become a teacher yourself already. As a high school graduate, we often breathe a... I remember when I graduated high school, I thought, wow, now the hard part's over, and the easy part begins. Amen. Uh, we know as adults who've been around for a few years longer that that is not the truth. Uh, we know that it's just begun. And school may be out, but the learning is not over. We need to recognize the power of our influence. We need to step up to the place of leadership, but we always need to be a learner. And I encourage you, Haley, to always be a learner. Many adults lose their cutting edge in life because they do not remain learners. Uh, they don't have a teachable spirit. And so they grow complacent and they cease to go forward. And they don't do what's written right there. They don't grow. And so we constantly ought to be in a growth uh, attitude. There comes a time for all of us to move on to the next chapter in life. I learned some of these things when I graduated as, uh, that we're going to talk about, as I, all of you have, I'm sure, as well, who've been there. I graduated in 1992. It's hard to believe. I know, right? Who whistled? That is just offensive. Hard to believe. I've been out of school for 30 years. Now, there's been, it's been said that there's two types of education. One on how to make a living, and one on how to live. Now, school did much to teach me how to make a living. God taught me how to live. Life and experience taught me how to live. I want to read a few verses tonight out of Romans chapter 8. I won't keep you long tonight. I want to be able to fellowship with one another and, and celebrate with her. Uh, but let's start reading in verse 1. There is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the Spirit do mind the things of the flesh, or after the flesh, I'm sorry, do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Seven things I've learned since my graduation. Father, I pray you'd help us in the next few minutes here. Help us tonight as a church family to be an encouragement to Haley and to celebrate with her, but also to uh, maybe as we uh, 
just love honor and talk about some things that possibly can be some good advice for that this would be a help not only to her but to the rest of us as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of the lessons I've learned, and we'll get right into it. Lesson number one, I learned very soon, life is not all about me. When I got out of school, uh, high school, and went to college, I learned that I was just another number. Now, in high school, I was pretty much everything in my senior class. I was the valedictorian in my senior class. I was voted most likely to succeed in my senior class. Uh, I was homeschooled, and so that helped. I mean, I did the voting and all that, but uh, I was, uh, I, you know, life was about me. I mean, everything was about me, and it was a focus on me. But when we get out of school, and that, that's also true also for, for our normal high schools as well, uh, that there's so much focus in, in uh, what we can do for the young people. And that's not a bad thing, but we learn when we get out of school that life isn't just about me anymore. The importance laid on me when I was in high school, and you probably as well, awards and personal attention and all that, uh, these things did not matter so much when I got out into the real world. Learned that if I tried to please the flesh, I would fail. The Bible tells us in verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Uh, you parents will agree, and uh, I mean no offense to our graduate at all, but some of the most selfish people in the world are teenagers. And I don't mean that in a negative like they're sinful and wicked. I'm just saying by nature, that is a very selfish time in our life. We all went through it. I mean, when you're little, when you're a kid, everything's about mom and dad, right? Oh, we can't wait to do stuff with mom. We can't wait to do... We still like to do dishes when we're little. Remember that? Remember when your kids like to do dishes? And they want to do things for you and they want to mow the lawn and they want to do these things and then the teen years come and uh, the sh focus kind of shifts and we become more selfish. Life is all about them. They, uh, their schedules are organized. Sometimes whole family schedules are organized around their sports programs and around their life and the, uh, the food is often made the way they like it and they soon have to learn when you get out of school life is not all about you anymore. It's time to turn your gaze outward and upward. Can I tell you tonight, there is nothing as empty as the self-lived life. There is nothing that will leave you more unfulfilled as is a life that is consumed with personal fulfillment. Somebody said it this way, the investment of a self-centered life yields no dividends that are satisfying or eternal. The best thing we can do is to look outside ourselves. And so remember this acrostic, if you would. We've all heard it, but it's a good thing to be reminded of. Joy. We talked about joy this morning. Joy is Jesus first, others second, yourself last. If we spell our life philosophy like that, it'll bring us much more joy. Number one, life is not all about me. Number two, one of the things I had to learn is failure is not the end. Failure is just the beginning. Look at verse 4 with me, if you would, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I realized that even when I failed God, I could seek after Him and He'll care for us. God has a higher purpose for us than our comfort, our good feelings, and uh, we, we, there's a purpose in the things that come into our lives. And failure is just another stepping stone many times, another teaching opportunity. Can I remind you that failure is an event, not a person. Failure is something that happens. It is not a person. And so... 
we, we can remind our graduate tonight, and uh, this is not to scare you at all, Haley, but you're about to face another teacher, worse than any of your teachers on their worst day. We call this teacher good old Mr. Experience. This is the teacher that eventually kills all his students. Experience. Uh, experience is a tough teacher. Experience is a teacher that drives its lessons home in failures. You don't only learn out of a book, you learn with life lessons and often through failures. But it is getting up after those failures that will make you a better student of life. And as I keep reminding tonight, you don't ever want to stop being a student. You might not have to go to Brookings High School anymore, but you're always wanting to be a student. You learn not from your successes, but from your failures. Giving up on your goal because of one setback. Listen to me now. Giving up on your goal of life because of one setback is like slashing your three tires because you got a flat. You don't give up. You, you get over it. You move on. Uh, you thought it was important to get an A in school. Now go out and get an A in life as well. Put yourself on God's honor roll. Fail? Yes, you'll fail. Get back up and keep on going. Winston Churchill said, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. And I encourage you tonight, Haley, to be uh, that person, that righteous person that falls seven times and gets back up again every single time. When you fail, don't quit. Walk after the Spirit. Walk after God and He will lead you to do better things. An airplane rises up because it goes against the wind. It doesn't fly with it. It flies against the wind. And that's the very thing that drives it up into the air. You'll only succeed as you rise against the winds of adversity. I read a wonderful illustration about the benefits of adversity that can be seen in the way that an eagle meets the challenge of turbulent winds. Uh, turbulent winds cause the eagle to fly higher. There's a tremendous lifting power in the thermal updrafts of a turbulent wind. This allows the eagle to reach great heights as he soars high up with those winds. Turbulent winds allow the eagle to get a better view. The higher he flies, the better his perspective of the land down below him. From this higher position, he's able to see much more and is able to see a better perspective of everything below. Turbulent winds lift the eagle up above harassment. Down at a lower level, you'll often see crows harass an eagle, but up high with those turbulent winds, uh, nobody else dares go up that high with him, and so he's above harassment. Turbulent winds allow the eagle to use less effort because his wings are designed for gliding. Turbulent winds allow the eagle to stay up longer. Turbulent winds allow the eagle to fly faster. He normally flies about 15 miles per hour, but gets up over 100 miles an hour with turbulent winds. What I'm telling you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is when you face turbulence in your life, it is only a problem if you see it as a problem. The truth is there's ample opportunity that's presented with it as well. How do you meet the tough times in your life. At the very least, you'll grow. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. That's how you're going to grow. Now, it's going to be more unpleasant at times than a... I know it's maybe hard for you to imagine, Haley, but there's going to come times where you think back to the easy days you had in school. Uh, but uh, those that's just part of life, and we'll grow in that. Number three, something I had to learn. This was a real heartbreaker. I'll never be a professional football player. Verse six, 
That's not funny either. What are you going there for? For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I talked to a teenager not long ago. He was a very good basketball player. Very good basketball player. Star of his team in high school. But he was a, also a, loved the Lord. And he came in our bus ministry. And as was back in Michigan still, he, he came for years. He was faithful. And I asked him, what are you going to do with your life? He was, he was a senior in high school at this time. He says, well, I'm going to go play for the NBA. But he said, if that doesn't work out, I'm going to be a pastor like you. And I, you know, I don't know exactly what I said to him, but can I, can I say something between you and me tonight? And God knows my heart. If I ran into some kind of genie tonight, and he's able to help me grow three feet taller and gain 100 pounds of muscle and have the ability of a pro football player, I wouldn't give up this job for anything in the world. Because what God has for you, Haley, is better than anything you can possibly imagine for yourself. Any calling God puts on your life is more noble than anything you could dream up with your wildest imagination. Go through those doors tonight, live your life, and make a difference in another for Christ. Don't waste your time and your life for something that you can't take with you when you die. Spend it on something more noble. Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. Why? Because it's a real place. Amen? It is a real place with real fire where real people go. And so he talked about it a lot. But he talked a lot more about money than he talked about hell. And why is that? Because that's probably what the very thing that takes a lot of people there. What shall it profit a man, he said, if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Don't live for the here and now. Never sacrifice the eternal on the altar of the temporary. Do not focus on what you cannot be or what you cannot do. Use what God has given you to make an impact, even if it's not as a professional football player. All right? Number four. One con I learned this unpleasant truth. One constant in our life is change. Who likes change? Me neither. Uh, I don't like change. I like things to stay the same. I don't like to have to relearn stuff. Amen. Uh, I, I just I like a routine. I like to know what we're doing and, and uh, just kind of keep going as it is. But verse 29, we didn't read it, but I want to read it now. Verse number uh, chapter eight, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Being conformed, God is constantly conforming you to His will. We have to be willing to be conformed to that will. And that means there's going to be some changes. Things are going to come into our life. Our circumstances are going to change. We're going to have to change. Life will take unexpected turns. Sometimes it will throw you for a loop. And you've got to be willing to learn from the things that you cannot control. If you insist on things always staying the way they are, you'll never grow. Growing takes change, and we have to be willing to change with it. Uh, to exist is to change, and to change is mature. Uh, is too mature. And all this, you know what doesn't change though? And this is what we grasp onto. I am the Lord, and I change not. That's one thing we can hold on to. Amen? Uh, we can hold on to that truth. You can put your faith in the one who will never let you down. His guidance will be your constant in your life. Uh, he has your best in mind. The Bible tells in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Did you know that resistance to change uh, will often affect your prayer life? I love the, what Richard Foster, he put it the best here, and I quote, 
to pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. If we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic in our lives. The closer we come to the heartbeat of God, the more we see our need and the more we desire to be conformed to Christ. And that is all about changing ourselves. Become more like Christ. It's an interesting thought. So one constant is change. Number five. Number five. I learned that store brand food doesn't kill you. Store brand food doesn't kill you. Now, why do I say that? We live in a society today that is so materialistic in its thinking that we are very geared towards instant gratification and we have created in our young people, in your generation, an expectation that we want everything today at age 18 and 19 that our parents have worked for 20 years to earn. And for 20 years they've, they've went out and been faithful and worked hard to get what they have and yet we have a generation today, they want all that right now, and we have a system and a society who's kind of made it possible for them to do so, putting them in huge debt while they do it. I encourage you, Haley, to wait with patience. Let God provide for you. You do not have to have a new car right out of high school. Be content to start small and let God bless you. Uh, when I was first married, I found... Uh, some, I found that we went into some struggles in our life and sometimes things didn't work out and sometimes there wasn't any money left and, and we still had a lot of month left, you know what I mean? And uh, so I, 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 there were some struggles, but don't be afraid of them. Be content to live simple. Store brand foods won't kill you. I recently, one of the reasons I was thinking about this is I recently found a, an old checkbook from when we were first married. And uh, we, our grocery store in North Carolina was called Bilo, B-I-L-O. Uh, you were supposed to be able to buy things at low prices, I guess. I don't know. They didn't know how to spell. But hey, Bilo. So I, but I saw our checkbook, so I knew when a check was written to Bilo that that was our grocery bill. You know what our grocery bill was? Weekly grocery bill. It was like $18, $21. I don't know what we were buying. Uh, but I know it wasn't name brand foods, it was store brand foods, and you know what, they don't kill you. I tell you what, and, and not only to Haley, but any young people here tonight who don't know what it is to save and to wait, to scrape and to earn, not just to swipe the plastic, but to work towards something, earn it, and then be able to buy it. There's a satisfaction in that that I hope you get to realize. Don't just get caught up in the trap that you have to have it all right now. Proverbs 28:22 says, He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye, and considereth not the poverty that shall come upon him. I learned to get by not always having the best. And I learned that what I want is not always what I need. Can I have an amen there? What I want is not always what I need. Materialistic things do not make us happy. Hebrews 13.5, let your conversation be with covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, and this is free, doesn't take any plastic, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. What a promise. Number six. Sometimes you have to stand alone. Sometimes you have to stand alone. Look at verse 31. What shall we say then to these things if God be for us? Who can be against us? Can I encourage you tonight... Haley, make sure that you're in the right and then stand. Sometimes you have to stand alone when you do so. 
We ought not live our lives as people pleasers. We ought not to be a middle of the roader. Standing in the middle of the road is dangerous. Did you know that? You can get hit from traffic going both directions if you stand in the middle of the road. Pick the side of truth and right and justice and then stand firm. But if you're in the right, the Bible tells us you're never really alone. Because verse 31 tells us that if God be for us, who can be against us? In the heat of the Civil War, an aide told Abraham Lincoln, we must trust, sir, that God is on our side. And Lincoln responded, no, no, it is much more important that we be on the side of God. Get on the right side and then stand strong. Stand for right even if you're the only one. Say it with Joshua of old, as for me and for my house, we will serve the Lord. I know not what everybody else does. I'm paraphrasing what he said, but I know what I'm going to do, and he stood. Be prepared to fight, even against your peers if you have to, to be a person of character. Oh, how the world needs young people tonight who cannot be bought, whose word is their bond, who put character above popularity, who possess the will to do right, who, who do not hesitate to take a chance, who will not lose their individuality in a crowd who will be honest in small things as in great things, who will make no compromise with wrong, whose ambitions are not confined to their own selfish desires, who will not say uh, they do it only because everyone else does it, who are true to their friends in adversity as well as in prosperity, who do not believe that manipulation is the best path to success, who are not ashamed or afraid to stand for the truth when it is unpopular, who can say no with emphasis even though the rest of the world says yes, we need Young people like that. Of course, we need old people like that too. Those who put God first in their life. Be that person. Make your family proud, and you'll make your church proud too. Number seven. A baby makes a difference. I learned this lesson again, and again, and again, and again, and again. I'll never forget when I had our first child, actually here tonight with us, a lot of change came in. You talk about change, a lot changed in our life at that time. Only a parent uh, in here that's overhearing me tonight can know the emotion. You can read about it, but you can't feel it until you're a parent yourself. And you look at your own child. Your life will, will be instantly and dramatically changed. And I could predict that in the next few years, some of these big changes will take place for you, Haley. In the next few years, we'll probably meet your life mate. You don't want to get the wrong one. His salvation is more important than his status. His walk with God is more important than his wealth. In this, you need to trust God. Your best bet is to have God have a hand in the choosing and have your parents have a hand in the choosing and then bring him to meet your pastor and he'll ultimately choose for you. Then as God gives you a family, things will change even more. Family is so important, you'll leave no greater mark than that you leave on your children. Let God lead you in those vital times in your life. I learned a baby makes a difference. And this is one of the driving forces that led me into youth ministry for so many years. Youth ministry can be one of the most frustrating fields to go into that you can imagine. Uh, it is a heartbreaking thing to go into because you pour your heart into young people for four or five years and then you see them make choices that break your heart just as they would a parent's. And I can tell you that one of the driving forces for me was that 
I loved, I always had this philosophy. In fact, I had it hanging up in the wall of my office that a fence on top of the cliff is better than an ambulance on the bottom of the hill. I thought it was better if I could be a part of building a fence and protecting them from making a mess out of their lives and destroying their lives and falling over that edge. And, and then, uh, you know, we need ambulances too. And we need to help people pick up the pieces and we need to be there for them. But I wanted to be a part of protecting them and helping them and knowing that they are going, and this is you tonight, Haley, going into an area of your life where in the next five years you'll make decisions that affect the rest of your life. And you'd better not do it apart from God. You'd better not do it on your own. You want God to be a part of that. A baby makes a difference. A family, those big decisions that are coming, put God first and help have Him help you make those decisions. By the way, in closing, I want to mention this. There's another baby that makes a difference for you. Look at verse number 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You see, friend, we have a problem in our lives, and that problem is sin. Romans 3.10 tells us, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Hey, you may be a good person, you may have do good deeds, but you still have a problem, the universal problem we all have, and that is sin. I've been asked the question before, how could a loving God throw someone into hell? Uh, the answer is simple, He does not. He does everything He can do. He makes it free. What else can He do but to send His own Son to die for us and then offer us salvation as a free gift, Romans 6.23, and says, here, here is the gift. Please receive it. And if we reject that gift and if we decide to throw that back in God's face, it is not Him that is throwing people into hell. It is us that's deciding to go there. So, we... But that baby made a difference. And... God sent His Son to pay the price for our sin. I do all that I do, and our church does all that it does with the firm belief that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. They are both real. And when Haley graduates from life, not high school, but life, and stands before God, according to her testimony, she's ready to go. And I'm asking about you. What about each and every one of you here? Do you have that settled in your life? If you die without Christ, that will be the greatest tragedy in your life. But graduate, be patient as God works His plan in your life. Never ever forget that God's plan is better for you than your plan. I have told that to young people for probably hundreds of times. As a youth pastor, you take out a piece of paper. In fact, we did this exercise a few times. Take out a piece of paper and write down your wildest dreams if they were to come true. If I'd have done that when I was 18, I would have not gotten close to the life that God's given me by just submitting to Him. God can write a better life story for you than you ever could. Just submit to Him. Those are few, a few of the many lessons I learned. Now you go learn yours. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the accomplishment tonight. It is something to celebrate. It represents a lot of hard work, many hours, dedication, and time invested. But how much more important is it that we graduate life prepared? I mean, it's a good thing to graduate high school, but we really, we really want to be able to say at the end of our life or to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I pray you'd be with Haley in a special way. Lord, she means a lot to us here. We love her. We love their family. We want her to succeed for you. We want her to, uh, you to use her in a great way. 
So may you do that. If your heads are still bowed,